Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug. Guys, this episode, this is this is the real deal here. I've listened to this one myself at least three times, and that doesn't include the ones that I listened to while editing. Katie Henry is going to spark and motivate and inspire you to think differently about your classroom, think differently about getting outside your comfort zones, and just the amount of little quotes and ideas that she plants in just this 30 minutes is simply phenomenal. So I hope you take some time to listen to this one. It's loaded. I put a lot of time into the show notes, lots of graphics for you to use. Um, So if you find any of them to be inspirational or useful, I'd love to see them out on social media. Um, And if you like this podcast, take a screenshot of what you're listening it on and and, and push it out on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook so I can see that. Make sure you you tag me at it. Uh, You know, Coffee Chug Books on on Twitter, Coffee Chug, on Instagram, and all that good stuff. I I would love to hear from you. And in this podcast, we have a challenge for you, and it's a really, really good one. So I hope you take us up on it. I know for me, since I've recorded this episode with her, I have gone outside my comfort zone, and I can't wait to share that with you here in the next few days. So without further ado, here is podcast episode number 68 with Katie Henry from Bird Brain Technologies, where we're going to be discussing why we shouldn't always pick the low-hanging fruit. Guys, this is awesome. Enjoy. Woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug and I'm back here with another episode. And in this particular episode, I have an amazing guest who I've actually had a chance to finally meet her in person at, at ISTE over the, over the summer. Um, and we'll let her introduce herself here in a minute. But this is a conversation that I think is on the minds of, of a lot of educators. And I think it's also one, whether you're a classroom educator um, or an administrator, it's also a, a tough concept to have, I think, really some, some public conversation around. Because if you really kind of open yourself up to um, – this idea of the unknown and maybe not always taking the, the, the easiest route. And so um, as you listen to this episode, really, really take a, 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 a glance into your own personal philosophies and your own operations and thinking, what can I do to take take away some of the ideas shared today and, and moving it into the practices that we're all trying to do what's best for kids? Um, because I think it's really going to be a, a, a very powerful conversation. And so um, let's dive into the conversation. And, and before we do, um, Katie, why don't we have you introduce yourself, kind of tell everybody like who you are and, and what you do, and then we'll, we'll dive into the awesomeness here. Sure thing. And thanks again for having me. My name is Katie Henry. I'm the Professional Development Manager for Bird Brain Technologies. We are an educational robotics company based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You may have heard of our two products, the Finch Robot and the Hummingbird Robotics Kit. And with those two products, I travel the world training teachers who want to integrate robotics across their curriculum. So I work with K-12 teachers of all subject areas, almost all skill levels, Absolute beginners are my favorite people to work with because they just are wide open and ready to dive in and do creative things. And and I also, as a part of that, I get to 
kind of transfer ideas from school to school. So I'm in that really neat position of helping a lot of people get started with something scary for the first time. And I love to be there to, to help ask questions and listen and be supportive when they take that risk with something new. Yeah, and, it, and it's awesome. And, and for those that haven't seen the Bird Brain Technology Robots, we'll definitely have some links in the show notes for you to, for you to check out. Um, and those that, that are using it, man, share some love and let us know how you're using it. I know I got we got a chance to get our hands um, on, on the new Hummingbird Bit Kit, which works with the, the micro bit, and it's, it's, it's top down. I have go, I'm go, been going to every school I work with, like, you've got to check this out. Like, this thing is awesome. And so um, there's a lot of amazing things that, that you, guys, you guys are definitely doing there at um, Burn Brain Technologies, and it's just phenomenal. Um, but what we want to do is transition to this blog post that you wrote, Katie. Um, and I know I, I, I follow your blog, I read it, and you wrote a blog, and I'll put the link in the show notes for people to check out, um, titled Start with Low-Hanging Fruit, Resistance is Good. Um, and could you kind of do a – I mean, people can check it out and read it themselves, but a, a quick little summary of, of, of what you were trying to get after in this blog post, um, and then we can dive into some of this content because I just found it like going – Yes, yes. Ooh, interesting. So um, can you kind of give a glimpse of, of, of this, this concept that you were writing about in this blog post? Yeah, it really came out of a surprise I had on a trip I took. Um, since I have stopped teaching in the classroom and have come into this, this job, I hear the phrase a lot, choose low-hanging fruit for getting started. That wasn't a phrase I heard as much in the classroom. Uh, teachers, we don't talk about choosing the low-hanging fruit. We talk about meeting students where they are and, and, and teaching and learning. And choosing low-hanging fruit seemed like kind of a corporate phrase in a way. And I thought I knew what it meant. I thought it meant go out into the orchard find the thing that's ripe and eat it. Start there. It must be the best place to start. So I, I thought I understood the metaphor, but this past month or in August, I was traveling out West. And if you've ever been in the Pacific Northwest, you know, it is a fruit haven. Every kind of fruit known to man grows in Oregon and Washington. It's delicious. And I was startled. I saw so much low hanging fruit that was unripe. It was rotten. It was, it had, might, you know, have bugs and things in it. And, and it just blew my mind because I was actually going out to do a photo essay on all the different types of low-hanging fruit. And then it got me really thinking, how do you choose low-hanging fruit? Just starting with low-hanging fruit isn't good enough. And really from there, I began to think about what that might mean for the schools that I work with who use that phrase and what would help you to unpack good low-hanging fruit from not-so-good low-hanging fruit. Yeah. So as you think about that, I just love that metaphor. And so as you're trying, as you're wrapping your, your brain around that, um, how, what, what would be some, some examples in the education world that you would view as this low hanging fruit? And not that we're here to like bash companies and names and that's, I know that's not your nature by any means, but some of these, these, these terms or ideas or concepts that are out there, um, there's a lot in education as, <laughs> as we well know, but as you start to translate that into the things that you see, cause you actually do get to travel the entire world. Um, what are some of those that you think are like, man, it's just, that's, that's not where we're at or that's not the piece of fruit we should pick, so to speak. Yeah. It has to do with being a little bit scared when you're getting started. And it's, it's natural to run away from fear. I don't like to feel afraid, so I don't want to do the thing which scares me. But oftentimes the thing which scares us is the thing we need to be doing. And it's a, it's a balance, but what, why you're afraid is because it's new. And if you are doing something new, and, and that might mean integrating a new tool into your classroom, 
but you're not a little bit afraid about it, you might be just repeating an old pattern with a different tool. That's not actually doing something new. And so that fear component is, is actually can be quite good. And that's where the blog post speaks to resistance is good. There should be some trepidation. There should be some hesitation. You should have more questions than answers, but you should also have some support. So if you go way off the fear cliff, you're going to just be out of your mind scared and you don't want to, nobody wants to go off the fear cliff, but you should have a healthy amount of tension when you're starting something new. So for example, I see this with robotics all the time. Uh, Folks are kind of just layering in the electronics as kind of like the nice little decorative component. I already taught with my traditional teaching methods. I already did the teaching. So now we've got a group of kids who are done with what I was teaching. Let's give them the tool. What does that do? You give those kids who are already finished, you reinforce that digital divide. The kids who are already finished with your task were the ones who are being successful in the traditional paradigm. You want to disrupt that. You want to disrupt that traditional paradigm. You want to try something new and you want to encourage those kids who may not have had a chance to actually try something new. And just bringing a new tool into the classroom won't disrupt patterns. And so you have to be very intentional about, first of all, what are your goals? So step one, what am I aiming at here? I'm trying this new robotics tool. Why? Is it because I want my students to like me more? Is it because I think that they'll understand fractions more? Is it because I'll be the, you know, some other cool teacher I can put it in my parent-teacher newsletter? Or can I really use this tool to heal hearts and minds of my students who are broken and lack that belief in themselves that they're going to make it out of high school and that they're going to have a chance in life to do something worth doing? So many kids are struggling with where they see themselves in their future lives, and we have to be really intentional about serving those children, and we have to say that from the beginning. So there's research that shows if you don't say who you're serving you're going to default to who has always been served by the system. And so um, the five groups that, that we talk about in professional development at Birdbrain Technologies are girls, resource-poor students, rural students, uh, students of color, and students with exceptionalities. We, we focus on these students when we are designing resources and working with teachers to help design resources. Uh, and that really influences a lot of the decisions we make. So... Low-hanging fruit, identify your goal. Don't be afraid to start in a place that scares you. Yeah, I love that. And it reminds me of uh, there was a podcast I was just listening to, um, and uh, I had to make sure I get to get the podcast name right. It's called So We've Been Thinking. And their latest guest um, at the time of this recording was, was Will Richardson. And he was tackling this idea, which I think relates to a lot of what you're saying in terms of like this fear and changes. Like when you work and talk with educators in schools and you tell them like, and we have these conversations, like we know that like grades aren't the best system, right? Like we know all these things in educate. We know silo isn't the best. Like we should be infusing and cross curriculum. I mean, but then, and then when we get to that point where let's lead in the change, everybody kind of panics, right? And goes like, but we've always, like, we've always had a bell every 45 minutes, you know, like, like we know it's not what's best, but yet we continue to do it because that's the way the system has always been. And we don't know any difference. And I think it, that, that idea of fear of, but this is the way it's always been, like not really looking at it as, is just what's best for kids. And a lot of what you were saying were like that, that add on speaks a lot of values as you were talking through like this extra activity. It often reminds me of uh, like, like, like book report activities, right? Where you have to read a book, you have to fill out all the information, like you've done all the work. And then when you're all done, now you have to go 
like glorified at the end. And you definitely always saw the have and have nots, the families that had the kids that, that had parents that could go by and to make all their stuff look great. And the other kids that didn't, and there's really no justification of, of the learning. It's just like this little tag on like add on thing at the end that really kind of created a divide. Um, I don't think that was ever the intent, um, mm-hmm. but you definitely see that. Um, so as you oh. look, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, jump in there. No, I just think that you're right on the money. So many times when we integrate tools, we just reinforce bias and stereotype. And bias and st- those terms are very interesting. I was at a conference recently, and we were talking about bias. And one of the people I was with, she said to me, all that stuff about bias doesn't apply to me. She, she said, I teach in a school where there are very diverse students, and we serve them all. And I thought, whoa we really need to think about how we use the word bias. Bias and stereotype doesn't refer to an extreme group of people in the world who are openly attacking others. We all are biased. I have a natural bent in particular directions, and until I can analyze my own bias, what do I naturally lean towards, Mm. then I won't be able to choose well-balanced, so to speak, low-hanging fruit, because I'm already naturally leaning towards something that makes me feel comfortable. And that's why when I gently lean the other way and try something new, I'm going outside of my comfort zone. And I'm going to tell you what, as a kid that grew up in southwestern Ohio and never heard the word engineer until she got into college, you go outside of your comfort zone, the the world opens up for you. I never thought I was going to leave Middletown, Ohio. There's a world famous book right now called The Hillbilly Elegy. Um, It's like number six on the New York Times bestseller. That's the town I grew up in, okay? I grew up in a tiny town, no technology, hardly any access to anything innovative. Innovative, I don't think I knew what that word was. And yet, when I went out, I actually, so this is a different story. We need another podcast. (laughs) We'll have a follow-up for sure. (laughs) There was a time in my life when I went outside of my comfort zone in a big way, and it opened me up. I became a better teacher, I became a better friend, I became a better human being. The trick here is going outside of your comfort zone. One experience in one aspect of your life can open up your life to so many possibilities you never thought possible, and you just have to take those risks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and there's there's so much we could unwrap in that, and this might actually have to be a follow-up podcast, that idea of of bias, because I'm intrigued by it as well. I think about when I first started getting into education, like I feel like... I had a good sense of everything, and I know looking back at it, boy, some of my teaching practices were just absolutely terrible. And I just, I always, always joke and say when I see like teacher or students from my first couple of years, first thing I do is always apologize, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you were my guinea pigs. I had to run you through the, through the, through the coals to kind of figure out what in the world teaching was. But for me, it wasn't so much, I guess, a, a risk. But you know, now having three children and two being daughters. Um, it had completely where my I guess my passion area of the moment is is this idea of equity and 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 not just student voice but female voice and you know because I want my my daughters to feel that they can go do whatever they want I mean whether that's in engineering or whatever pathway you know and even I always think on the flip side I tell people even for my son to realize that girls can do everything too like it's it's a two way street and it's really you know not so much that, that I bounce outside my comfort zone um, but boy it's amazing how like the, your biases shift with your, your 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 life experiences too so I think you know kind of piggybacking on your idea bias isn't I don't want to say it's not always bad not that it's good but like we have to recognize just like you said we all have it but we can't let it be like a barrier to doing the work that 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 needs to be done also 
And that's and that's why choosing low hanging fruit is so tricky because if we get started with something that feels too easy, chances are we're leaning into our bias, reinforcing what's already been done and truly not doing something new that might help more people. And that also, um, it, it really makes me think about this quote. It says, the fish was probably the last to discover water. And I thought about that fish being the last to discover water. I can just see these fish swimming around, looking at the coral, looking at the other fish, looking at the light coming down on them and never really noticing what their water was, probably until they got out of the water. When you get out of your water and you're up there in that air and you're looking down, you're thinking, wait a minute, where am I? What is the world? Your world just explodes wide open. And the fact is each of us are swimming in water in our daily lives. And oftentimes the scary thing for us is to break outside of that routine. And it, it sounds crazy, but for a lot of us, we go to conferences, tech conferences, professional learning conferences, and, and those are great places to break outside of your routine. If you can bravely you know, try to talk to new people there and not just hang out with the two people you came with, but really try to step out, that's a good place. But I'm gonna suggest something a little more crazy than that. I want everyone, put this on your to-do list, you don't have to tell anybody you're doing it, so they don't they don't need to ask you on work on Monday how it went. But I want everybody to think, I want you to look for a swing dancing class. I want you to look for an international folk dancing class. Look for a beginner's ballroom dancing class. I want you to go into an environment that scares you, where you are safe, and where you're going to learn something new from a teacher. And I want you to feel that. And I want you to also learn you can do it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's incredible. Go outside of that comfort zone, go outside of your professional field, go into some other domain and, and meet new people. It's amazing what can happen. I love that. I love that. So I'm making a note here. We're definitely going to create a challenge uh, to go with this podcast so people can follow up and uh, share what they do, because I think that that's so crucial. And it's a good thing to just remind ourselves what our kids can go through in our classroom if we create the conditions that allow them to go outside their comfort zone in a safe environment to learn something more about them and, and learn more about what they might be interested in. And I always talk too, for some kids, it's, uh, you know, I used to run um, summer camps at, at my nonprofit when I had it and, and, and evening classes. And I would have, I remember this one story, this, this parent came in um, and she wasn't very happy. And she's like, um, Tommy, not his name, but we'll just say Tommy. Tommy just does not like this coding class. And I said, awesome. Like it, I don't, it wasn't the coding class of me or the delivery. He just didn't, he didn't enjoy it. And I said, that's fantastic. And she looked at me like I was like out of my gourd. Like, okay, I'm telling the guy of this nonprofit that he doesn't like it. And I'm like, what we're helping him figure out is, is where he wants to go in life. Like, how great is this that as a, a sixth grader, he realized like this aspect of engineering isn't his cup of tea. So now we can go explore another path to see what he likes. And you don't have to wait until college when college credits are who knows what the cost is going to be. You know, like you can go through and say, like, you know, he he loved building. He loved hands on. He loved like getting into CAD and, and creating things, you know, but he didn't really like the, the coding aspect. And it's like there's a huge market for that, too. And so, you know, I think it, it, it's really important when you get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you find exactly something new that you love. But sometimes you're like. You know, it's not for me. And that's okay. Like, I think it doesn't always have to be like this high five. Yeah, let's do cartwheels because this is the greatest thing ever um, when we jump out of those comfort zones. Being able to say no, <clears throat> excuse me, being able to say no is important. 
and having a good reason and having clear conviction and, and having clarity of heart and mind and why you say no, that's actually really healthy just as much as it is to be able to say yes for those, for those similar reasons. And you empower children to take ownership of their learning and of their lives when you give them space to say no with meaning and to say yes with meaning. Yeah, I love that. And so as we're talking, I have this like idea that keeps popping in my head, and, and it might be something that some of the listeners are, are thinking of, because I know sometimes the message that I give when I do workshops or working with schools is the idea of starting small. Like, you don't have to drink from the fire hose, and I think a lot of times in schools, every year teachers go back, and there's five new initiatives, and they have to continue on the other five from the year before, and you know, like, it's, there's just so much. Um how does that idea relate to what we're talking about here of, of not picking like, like the low hanging fruit? Is it the same? Or is it something different? Because I can see some people thinking like, but sometimes I just need to start small. And I think, you know, what are your, th- I have some ideas, but um, before I just babble on this whole podcast, but like, like, what do you see? Is, is there a similar parallel? Is it two different ideas? Like, how would you address that kind of concept? The question is, how do I get started small in a manageable way? And I think here's the here's the nuanced difference. If people love to go hiking, they're going to get this right away. If you're not an outdoorsy person, hang in there with me. If you're not Basically, outdoorsy, that should be your, your first thing on your to-do list, right? Go do something new. Go hike. <laughs> so, so here's the difference. And, this, and, and, and it has to do with if you're setting off on a new path, is the path ahead of you clear? Has somebody trailblazed it? That's that's interesting question to ask myself. For example, I've been handed down a new curriculum. I have day one, day two, day three. That curriculum has been trailblazed for me. And if I just regurgitate day one, day two, day three, I am reinforcing a particular mindset that may or may not be the one that I want for my students. So the path forward is very visible and clear all the way to the end. And if you're hiking in the woods and you're a beginner, this is actually quite good. You want that path to be clear. It's better for the environment. Stay on the path. However, there's a different approach. And that involves taking a first step on a path that isn't clear or at least one you can't see all the way to the end. And this space of not seeing it all the way to the end is where your students will get involved. Your students will help make the path. Your community will help make the path. You will develop that path in real time. And so I would just ask one question. When you're trying to not drink from the fire hose and you're looking for a small place to get started, ask yourself, if you can see the path from start to finish, you're probably leaning into your bias a little too much. If you you can't see all the twists and turns, that's probably a good sign that you're disrupting just a little bit, just enough to leave space for your students to help you create. I love that. And to follow up with that, I think, because I can, I can already hear some teacher voices in, in my head right now going, this is great. I want to take a step down this, this path that isn't clear, but I don't feel like I have admin support or I'm scared of these invisible some i think sometimes they're invisible rules like we think we're going to get fired i know that could be a reality for some people so i'm not trying to downplay that but i think a lot of times we have these misconceptions like if i try something it doesn't work i'm going to get in trouble like we all feel that and it's a real feeling so i'm not trying to take away from that but for that someone listening in that says okay 
I'm going to do the, I'm, I'm going to do this to do list challenge. But in my classroom, I'm also going to try go off this path. Like, how do they get started? What have you seen if you've been able to travel out to? Maybe they don't have that amazing admin um, or that amazing support system. Maybe there's there's this little silo. You know, they're, they're that one room down in the corner of the hallway, and no one really knows what's going on. Um, how is it? How, how can we help them remember to to try this? That it's safe to actually take that path. So I, I was in this, this exact same situation my first year teaching. Uh, I was teaching second grade, and while I didn't have a state test at the end of the year, there were other tests that were being given to my students, which essentially would evaluate my instruction over the year. So by the time I got into fourth grade teaching, I had every test known to man, and it got crazier. But that first year of teaching, I was asking myself, how will I really meet my students' needs and not lose my job? Mm. And so here's what I did. I, I actually, I just made, it's like it's called a stakeholder matrix. And you actually, you find out in your own professional role, who has the biggest influence? Who are you most accountable to? For me, number one is my students. Yet I knew that I had a board of education, I had a principal and I had a superintendent and there were certain things they were looking for in my classroom. Now, this is important, listen carefully. Do not lie. Do not tell false truths. Do not manipulate information. Tell the truth. But honestly, here's what I discovered. Meeting standards, meeting district initiatives, meeting team goals, all of that, those were all stepping stones within the larger vision of what was possible. So it's up to you, the classroom teacher, don't put those initiatives ahead of your students' needs, making them bigger. Fit them within. Now you're saying to me, I can already hear the voices too, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really nice, Katie. I got a lot to do. I don't have time for that. <laughs> so here's what you need to do, and you're going to have to prioritize, okay? You're going to have to prioritize what's most important. And in that stakeholder matrix, I want you to make a list of all the voices in your head, and I want you to prioritize what's most important in your professional role as a teacher. Because you know what? You are a licensed, highly qualified credential, best in the best position to make those decisions for your students. And then you make that, that priority list of who, who you're accountable to and you act on it. And I promise you, you will do what's best for your students and you'll be surprised. You may not see it at the beginning, but you'll be surprised how those other, other pieces just actually do, do come together. And if somebody's out there listening, Katie, you still haven't won me over. I want you to tag me on Twitter. Send me a message on Twitter at Katie Henry Days. I want you to tell me what you're going through and let's just talk 20 minutes, talk it through. I would love to hear more about, about what you're thinking because I promise there's a way. I love it. I love it. And I think that's what, what makes you uh, an amazing asset to the world of education that you're willing to put your, you know, your money where your mouth is and, and willing to help these people. And I think that's, that's so great. Um, um, cause it's, it's one thing to talk about it, right? It's another thing to help people get to that point because I think so many want to, um, sometimes we just need a, you know, a handhold, even if it is virtually to go, Hey, we got this. We can do this collectively as an education system. Educators are the most powerful beings in this system. If we could just, you know, it's it's the rally cry, join forces. Nothing can stop that. And I think that's if we, that's the catalyst we need to get education where we know we need it to be. And you are stronger than you think you are. Yeah. You have so much inside of you. I used to tell my students, you have something inside of you that only you can bring to the world. It's my job to help you discover what it is. But the same is true for teachers. We are filled with something that only we can bring to the world. And when we join together, we unlock that potential in each other. And let me tell you, um, I'm a person, as I said, I love to try new things. And I'm recently started rock climbing. 
I'm not sure how I got into this, but I love it and I'm pretty much addicted. And I did my first outdoor climb last Saturday and I, I, I put on my shoes and the people are sitting in their chairs and the ropes are dangling. And one guy's like, try that, go climb that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, there are rocks, I'll climb them. And so I was on the wall, it was about 40 feet up. I was up there for almost 15 minutes top roping. So I was harnessed and roped in climbing up. It was kind of a hard climb, but I did it. And I got down and someone came up to me and was like, you just climbed a 5.9. Holy cow. <laughs> it, like, that's not a beginner wall. And yet I had no idea. I, if somebody would have said that's a 5.9, I would never have touched the wall. Oh. Ne I would have psyched myself out, never would have touched it. They said, start there. And I, and I tried it. And so... Sometimes we do mentally create barriers for ourselves, and that's why uh, making that stakeholder map will help. Look at what's important to you. Remember why you got into this in the beginning and stay true to why you're there. It can work out. I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm just like jacked up for the rest of the day talking to you, and that's it, it, what makes it so great. So let's do this. Let's, let, let's end it on this note here with these challenges. Let's end it with the idea that we're, gonna, we're, we're challenging the listener right now, and you can check the notes. We'll, get, we'll get, make sure we get links in the show notes to that stakeholder matrix that, that, that Katie, you were referencing, so people can check that out. We're going to put a link to the blog. Uh, we'll get your Twitter, Twitter handle on those as well, and we're going to put that challenge in there for you guys to sit there and do something new um, in your in your personal life and even to start to think about what is that what's that that kind of unclear path even within your, your your classroom or your school if you're an admin listening in and when you do that and try that out let's reach out and when we start to get some stories katie um if you're up for it we could follow up and we can kind of share i'll, I'll set some goals myself I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is and we can follow up and kind of just see where this goes and um i, I think it would be a, be a great conversation um and who knows maybe we can get some of these other people on we can kind of have like, like a whole like not group therapy, but group celebration. Maybe that's a better term. Group therapy sounds a little <laughs> like, oh, we're all bad. Group let's celebration do of, of, of doing this. So let's, let, let's move in from, from voice in the, in, into uh, some action here. Let's do it. Awesome. So, Katie, I know you gave your, your Twitter handle. I'll put a link to your blog. Is there anything, any other places that we need to mention so people can reach out to you? Or is those the, the two good starting points? KatieDays.com. That's it. I love it. I love it. Katie, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I love where this goes. This was this was not in our in, in our plan. We were like, we're just gonna have a conversation to make it happen, and now we got some challenges to get get some teachers pretty jacked up. So um, this is what it's about. So um, thank you so much for your time for jumping on this call, and I can't wait to follow up with you and follow up with anybody else who's gonna take the challenge to uh, see what happens. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Bye.